can do better. Good morning. Okay, glad to hear you're awake at the start. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to begin a, a new series this morning called Why Worry? Um, we'll be in it maybe five weeks, maybe six weeks, maybe four or seven, depending upon how things go. Uh, but we'll be here for at least a month, and uh, we're going to begin in the book of Matthew. And so uh, while you're uh, getting your Bibles out, there's a pew Bible in the pew back in front of you. And uh, if you have access to that, turn to page 787. Matthew chapter 6 is where we find ourselves today, starting in verse 25. And uh, we'll do that little section there, verse 25 through 34. And so as you're uh, turning there, I just want to give a, a, just a real quick preview as to where we're going for the next five or six weeks. Uh, in our sermon series, Why Worry? Uh, so first of all, today, we are going to uh, answer and hopefully address the question, why not to worry? Uh, why should we not worry? It's a fundamental question. I think all, a, a lot of us and many of us struggle with this. Why should we not worry? Uh, we'll address that this morning from the lips of Jesus himself as he talks to us about why not to worry. Uh, and then we'll have probably two or three weeks um, asking the uh, question, what effect does worry have on us as a Christian? Uh, what effect does it have on us spiritually? What effect does it maybe even have on us uh, physically? What are, what are some of the effects, what are some of the consequences of living a life filled with worry? So we're going to talk about, I think, three biblical consequences of worry, and then we'll take one, two, or maybe even three weeks about uh, answering the question, how then should we not worry? I mean, what help does the Bible give us about practically not being a worry wart? So uh, why not worry today with the effects of worry in the coming weeks? And then finally, what should we do about it? So that's where we're going uh, for the next several weeks in our sermon series, Why Worry? Uh, hopefully you're in Matthew 6 by now, so let's do this. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll dive right into uh, to our sermon on why not to worry. Father, thank you for the morning. Thank you for these people who have gathered uh, under the banner of Jesus Christ and what he has done in their hearts and in their lives and what he continues to do in this church. Father, we pray that you would help us now as we uh, tackle an issue that I, I feel like uh, will be significant for many people. Father, I confess to you that I, uh, it'll be significant to me because I worry. I struggle with this. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, help me and help me even as I preach and teach these things to, to make progress in this area of worry. I pray for my brothers and sisters now, uh, many of whom uh, struggle with anxiety, who struggle with fear, who struggle with uh, the worries of life including myself. Would you give us help and grace? Would you help us as we break in to your word to, to hear what it is that you have to say? And not just to, to hear it, but to feel it and to know it and to allow the truth of your word to impact us in such a way that we would have real significant growth in this uh, most vital of topics as we live in a day where it's easy to worry. And so give us help, give us grace. Holy Spirit, speak uh, into our hearts and speak through me. Uh, that I might speak accurately and well. Jesus, help us in particular as we hear your very words about why not to worry. You are the master teacher and you have much to say on this topic. And so help us to glean, help us to hear, help us to be transformed by your powerful word on worry. We ask it in the name of Jesus and God's people said, amen, amen. So I wanna ask you a simple question and I wanna ask myself a simple question as well. Why is it that you worry? Or another way to ask the question would be, what is it that you worry about? Why do you worry, and 
what is it that you worry about? Uh, I'm going to ask, if you're brave enough to, to maybe slip a hand up in the air, but I want to ask you, how many of you consider yourself, well, I don't want to put it a worry word, but how many of you would say you struggle, or it's, it's an issue for you, this significant topic of worry? How many of you would say it, it, it hits home with you? Okay, uh, quite a few of you. And I will raise my hand high and say, uh, I struggle with this as well uh, and have all of my life. And so hopefully this morning, this will be of benefit uh, to all of us. Now, to those of you who, who may not struggle uh, with worry from time to time, certainly it creeps in. And even if it doesn't, maybe you'll glean some knowledge about how to help your wife who worries or your kids who worry or your best friend who worries as well. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about why not to worry. But before we do that, I want to I uh, share with you some of the reasons, I think, why we have to worry. Uh, I sent out an email this week, and, and several of you responded. I, I put out on Facebook, hey, what are, what are some of the things that we, you worry about? And so here are some of the responses that, that you sent me. Here are some of the Facebook responses that I got. And then other things that I just added in there for myself. You know, we have a lot of reason to worry in this world, if we're honest. There are a lot of things that cause us anxiety and fear, both on the, uh, the national level, the global level, and here in our own little lives in Sisson Park. Here are some of the answers that you gave me. Uh, number one, uh, in no particular order, uh, the economy. How many of you are concerned about the economy? You don't have to raise your hand, okay? Uh, but that, that one came up quite a bit. Uh, your jobs, whether you will have a job or not, the stability of that job is what many of you said. Uh, also up there was just issues related to money, spending money, saving money, having enough money. The idea of money was up there quite a bit. Uh, here are a few others. Retirement, uh, that is, will I ever get to, uh, was something that somebody stated. Uh, how about uh, the increased cost of living? And along with that comes higher gas prices, higher energy prices, higher grocery bills. Uh, we went to uh, our grocery store uh, yesterday, and we racked up a, a nice little bill uh, there uh, in town. And, and I thought, man, we either bought a lot or, or grocery prices are really going up. Uh, maybe some, some bigger national issues like the national debt. We saw that quite a bit in our responses. National spending, that is we're spending more than we're taking in. On a more personal level, uh, some of you shared you're, you're afraid of failure. That one hit home with me because that may be one of my number one fears is being seen as, as a failure. A lo- kind of related to that is uh, some of you said you, you fear not being accepted. Uh, maybe by your peers uh, in particular. I think uh, young folks are, are concerned about that. You're afraid of not being in with the in crowd. Uh, numerous of you said that you're concerned about your children in, in, in all sorts of ways. And uh, some of you stated you're, you're concerned about your grandkids, their health, their futures, their decisions, their, their walk with Christ. Some of you stated that you're fearful of losing loved ones, in particular those who are aging quickly. And that is a fear that you have. Some of you said that you're fearful of growing old yourself. And uh, that is most certainly understandable as well. We're fearful of our marriages. Will they last? Are they healthy? Will they be satisfying? Can I endure another day with my spouse, right? Um, Our daily safety, just generally concerned about driving to and from work and, 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 and being safe. National security, terrorism, the Middle East, Natural disaster, most certainly as, as we've seen over the, over the next uh, last week in, in New York and the eastern seaboard. Um, uh, it would be, I would be amiss if I didn't say that some of you stated that you're concerned about the election that's upcoming in, what, a couple days now. And whether you're on this side or that side, people are concerned about the elections and, and the future 
of our country. And so all that to say, I hope some of those resonated with you. I know they certainly did with me. We live in a world where it's easy to worry. And we live in a world where there are lots of reasons to worry. And so the question then becomes, do we have any good reasons why not to worry? I mean, do we have any good reasons why not to live a fearful, anxious, terrified life? Do we have any good reasons? Well, this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to hear maybe a portion of of Scripture that ranks up there with me, because I struggle with worry. And so I go back to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 over and over and over again. And if you struggle with worry, I implore you to go back here over and over and over again, because what Jesus does is he's going to give us at least, probably more, but at least five reasons why not to worry. So if you're taking notes, just you know, jot down one, two, three, four, five, and, and, and we'll kind of work our way through these five reasons that Jesus gives us why not to worry. Before we get into those, what I'd like for you to do is open up your Bible, and uh, let's just read the text together. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, at least not yet. I just want to read it uh, in its entirety to get the full impact of Jesus' words, and then we'll take a look at these five reasons. So uh, Matthew chapter 6, Starting in verse 25, this is what our Savior says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or or reap or or store away in barns, and, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. Now if that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and and tomorrow is is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of those things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is God's very word for us today. So let's take a look now at five reasons. What what are some of the reasons that we have not to worry? Uh, Jesus begins in verse 25. Uh, And really, he begins in verses 19 19 through 24. But in verse 25, there's a key word, and it's the word, therefore. And from that word, we get our first reason, and it's this. We shouldn't worry because worry reveals our idols. Worry has a way of pointing us towards our idols, that which is most significant to us and oftentimes replaces God. Verse 25. Uh, here's the connection. He begins in verse 25 with a key word, right? It says, therefore. And anytime you see a therefore, you need to look backwards to see what it's what, church? Therefore, okay? So he's talking about, he's going to make a statement 
but it's contingent upon what he has said in the past. So what's the statement that he, he makes? Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. So that's the thrust. That's the, that's the main imperative here, the main command. Don't worry. I don't want you to worry, okay? But he's going to base that on something that he has said before. So what has he just been talking about? Well, if you look in your Bibles at verses 19 through 24, we're not going to read it all, but, but what he's just been talking about is money. He's just been talking about how we should live our lives and relate to money. And he, say, he says some interesting things in this little section. He essentially, re- remember, he says, hey, listen, store up treasures for yourself in heaven, not on earth, right? He's, and then he makes the statement, for where your treasure is, there your heart, I take that to mean your affections, your love, your ultimate desire will be there also. He makes an interesting statement about the eye being a lamp, and that's kind of confusing. But, but then in verse 24, he makes a really clear statement. And it's a statement about worship. It's a statement about idolatry. Look in your Bibles at what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he brings it home. You can't serve a term oftentimes in the Old and New Testament for worship, which you, which you give yourself to. You can't serve both God and money. He makes a statement just before this, sub, this, this, this little section about worry about money. And he says, listen, you can't serve God and money. You have to pick. You have to serve God. You have to worship God. Or you have to worship money, right? And then he makes this interesting connection. Therefore, because you have to choose, because you either worship one or the other, therefore I tell you, don't worry. So what's the connection? I think it's this. The connection is this. If you worship money, then you will worry about money. I think that's the connection he's making. If you worship, if you choose to worship money, then the inevitable result is is that you're going to worry about money because it's what you care about the most. If you worship money, then you're going to worry about money. You're going to serve the idol of money. And I think we can broaden this. We can say we are prone to worship something other than God, and whatever that is, we're prone to worry about it. We are prone to worry about what we worship other than God because it's primary in our life and we worry about it. And so, practically speaking, I want you to think about what it is that you worry about. I have to think about what, what is it that, I can, that, that can consume my concerns and my worries. And oftentimes, what this inevitably is, is, is our idol. It's our functional God. We, we worry about our idols because we don't want it to be taken away from us. We don't want it to be messed with. And so, on a real practical level, uh, amongst the many things that I tend to be concerned about, is I worry about ministry. You could say I worry about my job because that's my job. But I worry about my job. I worry about this church. That's oftentimes on the f- forefront of my mind, and uh, I can be prone to, to worry about it. I can have concerns about it. It can be all-consuming, and, and when, it, when it does, I have to ask myself, has my ministry, has my position, has my job, has this church, has it become godlike to me? Have I elevated it from my, my vocation in which I honor and glorify God to that which I really worship, to that which I really want, to that which I really need? And you have to ask yourself that question too. Is that what you worry about most? Not just genuine concern, maybe about your kids. Yeah, you should be concerned about your kids. But has it crossed over 
from concern to worry and has it become something a good, a good gift that God has given you to that which you live for and you worry about them and you're anxious about them, not because it's a healthy anxiety, but because if something were to happen to them, your life would be devastated because your God has been knocked off of its pedestal. Jesus teaches us the first reason why we shouldn't worry is because it reveals our idols. It reveals what we most love, what we most care about. And so if you're anxious and and if you're worried like I am oftentimes, one of the first questions that I think we should ask is, has it become a God for me? Has it become ultimate in my life? So he, he, he begins there, but then he gets into the bulk of the text, right? Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. And then in verses 26, 28 through 32, he makes one overarching point. And it's the second reason that we shouldn't worry. Not only should we not worry because it reveals our, our idols, he says we shouldn't worry because God is meeting our needs. That's the second reason. Because God is involved in our life and in our work and in our efforts to meet the needs that we have. Notice, not our wants. He doesn't say he's meeting our wants, and he doesn't say he's fixing everything we worry about. But what he is saying is that the worries that we have that are related to our needs, he is involved in meeting those needs. So let's just read some of these verses again. Verse 26. He begins in verse 26 of chapter 6. Look at the, and, and, and what he does is he uses two illustrations. Jesus, I mean, can you imagine him teaching this? And he's looking for illustrations, and he says, hey, look at the birds. There they are as they fly above him as he's teaching. And then he, he's going to make a point. Hey, look at these flowers that are underneath our feet as he's teaching them on, on uh, you know, there in the hill. He uses two illustrations to show us that God will meet our needs. So verse 20, 26, he says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And this is the point that he gets at with a question, and it's supposed to be answered yes. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the answer, church, is what? Yes, <laughs> right? He says, look at this. God provides for them. Are you more valuable to God than, than, than birds? Yes, okay? We're gonna jump over 27 because it's a bit of an aside. He, he continues the illustration in 28. Notice what he says in 28 through 32. And why do you worry about your clothes? He first addressed our, our, our food and our drink, and now he's going to address uh, the clothing need that we have to have clothes. Or why are you worried about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. He makes a reference to Solomon that, man, Solomon didn't even uh, come close to these, uh, th- this kind of clothing. And then, he, and then he hits it home in verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? And the answer, church, is what? Yes. (laughs) How much more will he not clothe you? And then there's just, he just slips it in, but it's it's a zinger, right? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, boy, that just kills me every time I read that because he's connecting my worry with my lack of faith in his provision for my life. And if you think about it, oftentimes the things that we worry about, and maybe we're not making this connection, but, but I think we should. Think about the, some of the things that we listed. Some of the things that were on the uppermost of our, our worry chart, they oftentimes related to the meeting of our basic needs, right? So just think about the economy. 
Does that not relate to God meeting our needs? Our jobs, retirement, the increased cost of, of living, and all of uh, some of those things that we talked about, those worries that we have, are they not related to our concern about having our needs met? Most certainly they are. And so the second reason we, we should not worry is because God is in the process of meeting our needs. Now, I, I don't think this means that we just don't work. I don't think it, it means that we don't plan, or, and it doesn't even mean that we're not concerned about these things, but ultimately, I think we trust God to meet our needs, is essentially what he's saying. You know, I like what Tony Evans says in, in, in a, what I think is, is, a, is, a, is a good little book. I've read tidbits of it. Uh, the name of the, the Evans book is Overcoming the Stronghold of Worry. So, you know, that may be something, uh, a good reference for you. But this is what uh, Pastor Evans says, uh, relating to the line when Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith. He says, To worry is to insult the God who has your life under control. Oh, you of little faith. And every time I worry, I'm not placing my faith in particular about my needs in the God who has my life under control. So that's the second reason Jesus gives us why we shouldn't worry. First, it, it reveals our idols, and secondly, God is meeting our needs. But he goes on. Let's jump backwards a little bit to verse 27. We kind of left it out because it's a, it's, it's a bit of an aside, but Jesus throws it in there in the, in the midst of these two examples of, of the birds and the flowers, and oh, what a wonderful truth it is. The third reason why we shouldn't worry is because it just simply doesn't do us any good. That's what he says in verse 27. It simply does not do any good. Notice what he said, says in verse 27. It's a question, and the answer, well, let's see if we know the answer. Can any one of you, can you, Trey, can you fill in your name? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And church, what's the answer that Jesus is getting at? The answer is, no, the answer is no. Can any one of you add a single hour of your life by worrying? And, and, and the ironic thing is that just the opposite is true, right? By worrying, the medical field shows us this, that most likely we take away time from our life. We actually shorten our life most of the time when, when we worry. I think the point that Jesus is getting at is that, quite simply, it just doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't do us any good. Uh, worry... I think Jesus says, is, is an action. It's, it's something we do. Now, it's not something we physically do, although I don't know about how you worry. When I worry, I tend to get a little excited in my body, so I will pace. Any of you pacers? You can admit, okay, I'm the only one. I pace. I, I get a little anxious. I worry. I have to walk, you know, so it does show up. It's a physical activity, but, but really what worry is, is, is it's a mental exercise, right? I mean, it's something that we do in, we in our mind, and, and, and we chew, we chew, we think, we, we consider, what, what about this? What about that? What if, what if this? Oh, that could happen. And it's, it's, it's activity that's going on in our mind, but it doesn't get us anywhere. It's action without results. Um, I don't know if, if any of you have or had a rocking chair. Maybe in your house right now you have a rocking chair, maybe on your porch or maybe in your bedroom. Uh, I had a, well, I shouldn't say I, I had a rocking chair in my home growing up, and it was an old wicker rocking chair. I don't know if you can envision it, but it was a wooden rocking chair that kind of had a wicker back and, a, and a, a wicker bottom. It was a beautiful chair, and it sat for years in my mom and dad's bedroom. And one of the things I liked to do as a kid was I liked to go and sit in that rocking chair and just rock. It was a fun thing to do. I don't know why, but we liked it. 
And, 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 but here's the thing about a rocking chair. It moves, right, constantly. But do you get anywhere in a rocking chair? No, you just, you just move. You just burn energy and calories, and that's a good thing. But you're moving, you're moving, and you're moving, but you're not getting anywhere. And one pastor used this illustration, and I'm going to steal it. It's good. That's what worry is like. It's action in our mind, but it doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't do any good. You know, I, I, without, without being terribly uh, detailed, uh, there, was a, there was something that was going on uh, in my work, which is you guys, and I was, I was concerned about it, okay? And so I came home, and I, I was, I've grown in this area, but it was one of those things that just set me off. It just set me off, and not only was I worried, I was, I don't want to say semi-panicked, but, but I was pretty concerned. I was, I was worked up over this, and I, and I came home, and I was sh- sharing this with Shelly, and she went through a series of questions that were very helpful. And I don't know exactly what she said, but it was something, it was something along these lines, right? She said, Trey, okay, tell, ex- explain to me what you're worried about. And I said, here's the situation, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And she said, okay, so you're worried that this may happen. And I said, yes, I'm worried that because of this, this may be the consequence. This, this may happen. And she said, okay, well, that may happen. Has it happened yet? And I said, no, <laughs> it hasn't. And she said, okay. Well, um, you're concerned that it, it may happen. Do you think there's a likelihood that this person will respond that way and therefore this will happen? And I said, probably not, you know, <laughs> not, not really. And she said, okay, so it's not likely that it's going to happen. And it, and it hasn't happened yet. So what good will your continual worrying do about it? And I said, Oh, just leave me alone, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I said, but she was right, you know. And the point that she was making is, is, is what Jesus makes in verse 27. It just doesn't do us any good. Not that we shouldn't be concerned, not that we can't plan, but the exercise of continual worry and stress about events. Jesus says, listen, it's not going to add an hour to your life. It's going to shorten it, and it just doesn't do any good. And so what is it that you worry about? What is it that you're sitting in the rocking chair of, of your mind and you're rocking and you're rocking and you're rocking and you keep rocking and you're not getting anywhere? What is it for you? Jesus says, hey, that's it's not going to add an hour to your life. It's not going to get you anywhere. So we've seen uh, some uh, three reasons. Let's move on to the fourth and it's found in verse 33. After the illustration of the birds, after the illustration of the flowers, Jesus in verse 33, I, I think, gets to the crescendo of this little paragraph. I think this is, this is kind of the, the peak, the pinnacle of the point as to why we should not worry. Uh, why should we not worry? Notice he, he commands us, don't worry. And all this time, he's been giving us reasons. This is why you shouldn't worry. This is why you shouldn't worry. This is why you shouldn't worry. And now in verse 33, he not only tells us what we shouldn't do, he tells us what we should do, right? This is what we should do instead of worry. One of the things we should do instead of worry. And it's found in verse 33. I I said it this way. We shouldn't worry because there is more to life. We shouldn't worry because there is more to life than the things that we worry about. Let's take a look again. Verse 33. He says, but. Now, every time you read a word like that, it's a contrast. But the pagans run after these things. These are the things the pagans live for. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. I'm going to provide them for you. So instead of worrying, but you. This is what I want you to do. Instead of worrying, but seek. 
but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then what's the consequence? What's the result of that? Remember, he's talking about God meeting our needs. And he says, if you seek first his kingdom, and if you, if you seek first his righteousness, all of those other things, the, 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 the things that we have to drink and the things that we have to eat and the clothes that we have on our back, all of those things that he says the pagans worry about, and you may be prone to worry about your needs being met too, but listen, if you seek something better, something greater, if your life is more than running after security in those things, then what's the consequence? And these things will be given to you as well. What a great deal, right? What a great deal. So the fourth reason why we shouldn't worry is because, quite simply, there is more to life than what we worry about. I think this is what Jesus was getting at in verse 25 when he says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. And then he asked this question, is not life more than food? And is not the body more than clothes? And I think those questions that went unanswered until now are answered now. And the question is, listen, You're concerned about your needs being met, but isn't there more to life than simply having your needs met? That's what Jesus is saying. In church, what is the answer that he gives? Yes. (laughs) There's more to life than our needs simply being met. And then he he, he tells us what that more to life is. What what is it? Well, uh, he says it in in verse 33, a couple things. The kingdom and his righteousness. Now, we could talk a lot about exactly what what that means, but what I quite simply think it means is that God has given us a purpose in our life and that is a purpose higher than ourself, higher than our wants, higher than our needs. It it, it transcends all of the things that we worry about and it's building his kingdom, which is his plans, his purpose on this earth. What What is God doing in this world? The Bible tells us that what God is doing is that he is building his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom, and that Jesus is king. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is, is, is king and that he's reigning in heaven and that one day he's going to return to this earth and he's going to reign f- like for real, <laughs> like for real on this earth. He's going to be the king and he's going to come back and he's going to build his kingdom on this earth and it's going to be glorious and good for those of us who follow him. But until then, he's building his spiritual kingdom and the, the New Testament calls it the church. And he wants people to be involved, not just in this building and activity called the church. He wants people to meet the king and to bow the knee to the king and to love the king and to serve the king and to be enamored with the king. That's what Jesus is doing in this world. And he says, guess what? That's what your life is about too. And when you're engaged in that when you know that that's what your business is about, when you know that's what your kids are about, when you know that's what your job is about, when you know that's what your extended family is about, when you know that's what this nation is generally about, that's what everything is about, well then it puts into perspective the things that we worry about. And so why should we, why should we not worry The crescendo of the argument is this, because listen, the things that you worry about, the debt, the higher energy costs, the grocery bills, your kids, your grandkids, your safety, your marriage, the money issues, retirement, whatever it may be, being accepted, uh, being rejected, failure, whatever it is that we struggle with, and we all struggle with different things. He says, whatever that is, not that those things aren't important, he says, but when you worry about them, you elevate them to the to God. You elevate them to God, you worry about them, instead of elevating me as God and living for my purposes. So he wraps up in verse 34. 
He's given us four pretty good reasons, I think, why we shouldn't worry. And he ends in verse 34 with, with to me, uh, to me it seems like a kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement, right? Uh, so this is how I read it and interpret it, but it's, it's an odd way to end this, but this is how he does, and he, he's God, so he can end it however he wants. Verse 34, therefore, he repeats the command, do not worry about tomorrow. That's the main thrust, don't worry. He's given us reasons. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Don't worry about tomorrow. Oftentimes, i found the things that I worry about fit in the category of tomorrow. That is, they haven't happened yet. I'm fearful that they will happen tomorrow, <laughs> right? In the future. So he, he concludes, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Isn't that funny? He's giving a day, which is tomorrow, and making it like a person. And he says, don't you worry about that, that thing, that person called tomorrow. It'll worry about itself, right? It's just kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's funny. You know, he'll handle it. Tomorrow will handle it. For tomorrow will worry about itself. And then he makes this final point, which is reason number five. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I think the fifth reason and the final reason why we shouldn't worry is because we're supposed to live one day at a time. I think that's what Jesus says. We're supposed to live one day at a time, and then we let tomorrow worry about itself. I think what Jesus is saying is that we oftentimes uh, take the possible burdens, the possible concerns, the possible events, the possible things that we worry about that could happen tomorrow, and we bring them into today, don't we? And we, we chew on them. And we take those burdens about tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next year and the next semester and whatever, right? We, we take those burdens that are to be dealt with not today, but when they happen, and we kind of look into the future and we grab them and we take them and we put them in today. <laughs> and we want to deal with them all in today. And what Jesus says is, listen, just leave those there. <laughs> leave them over there. That's where they're supposed to be. Don't carry all of your burdens at once. Just take it a day at a time. And I'll, I'll close with this illustration. Much to my shame and chagrin, um, I want to ask you a question. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you bring in the groceries from the back of your car when you get like a lot of groceries? Not like a bag or two, but like lots of groceries, if you do it that way. That's how we do it. We get a lot of groceries at a time. And so when we get home from the grocery store, we have many bags. I won't even guess how many. Lots of bags, right? And, and they clutter the back of our car. Now, the question I have is, how do you go about taking those in? Some of you who are probably wiser than me uh, play the safe route. And what you do is you grab maybe two or three or one or two, you know, per hand, and you kind of take it in, and you go in shifts, right? You go, and it takes five or six trips to take them all into your house. Well, I don't do it that way. What I like to do is the manly way. What I do is I'm like, okay, let's see how many of these suckers I can put on my arms, right? So I build them, and well, this may be an exaggeration, but you know, here and here and here and here and here, right? And I'm like, okay, here we go, you know? I want to, because I, because I think my time is more important than it is, so I'm like, I'm just going to grab all of them at the same time and take them in and do it as, in, in as few of trips as possible. Now, let's admit it. How many of you do it that way? Okay, I'm not the only oddball. That's how I do it. I try to take all of the burdens, and I try to do it all at once. And you see where this illustration is going. 
That's what Jesus says about worry. We look into tomorrow's worries and we see this, this, this car full of grocery bags full of worry. And when we choose to worry about them, instead of dealing with the ones that God has given us today, we go and we're like, how many of these puppies can I, can I, can I shoulder, can I burden on my own beforehand? So Jesus wraps up and he says, why should we not worry? We shouldn't worry because it reveals our idols. We shouldn't worry because God is involved in meeting our needs, not our wants, not in fixing our problems, but in meeting our needs. He's involved in doing that, and we shouldn't worry because it just doesn't do us any good. We shouldn't worry because there's a ton more to life than the things that we worry about, and because we should live one day at a time. I want to close with a a short short poem from a, a poet by the name of Stanfill. They say this, I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And he stands by us as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for